Good morning. How is everybody today? Sore. <laughs> you know, for a reason or just because we're that age now? Okay, for a reason. A little of both, I heard. My name is Mike Dinius, and I would like to welcome you all. As you can tell, I am loud. Uh, so if you're not awake, don't worry. I'll help you. Uh, I've had two cups of coffee this morning. I'm ready to go. A little sweaty, but that's okay. Um, this morning we're starting a new sermon series called Connect Four. Um, and if you're curious about other sermon series we've done or more information on the church, we have a website. It's greateraltonchurch.org. You can go there and you can listen to sermons. You can uh, download the PDFs of the notes that go in the bulletins. If you're new, we have bulletins. If you haven't gotten one yet, there are notes to follow along with in them. Uh, I'm really excited. I don't know if you can tell. I don't know if you can tell that I'm really excited. I, I say that every time I come up here, because every time I'm really excited to talk about Jesus. Uh, if you're a guest this morning, sit back, relax. I hope that you uh, hear something from God this morning through me, and uh, you grow a little bit closer to him. Um, we're talking about connection in this sermon series. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but as my children were growing up, I was never into Connect Four as a little kid, but when my girls were coming up, it was a really easy game to play, and they loved it. They absolutely loved it. We bought Connect Four, and uh, we would play it. We actually have this fancy Connect Four where it has, the tiles have like bombs and brick walls on it. It's weird. We never played that way. I don't understand it at all. We just play regular Connect Four. Um, and they really enjoyed, they really enjoyed beating me really enjoyed beating me. And sometimes I would move and like, you can't go there, dad. Why not? Because I wanted to go there. Well, tough. It was my turn. But now I can't win. I don't care. I'm not one of those dads that lets their kids win. I like to beat them into the ground and be like, yeah. no, I don't do that all the time. But my youngest learned from me. So like when she wins, she's a sore winner. Right? She's smiling at me right now. She's like, you made me sit out here to hear you talk about me. Um, up on stage with me, I have some cool toys. And some of you are like, those aren't toys. And if you're a man of a certain age, they are toys. Uh, so at one point in your life, you choose what brand of power tool you're going to use. Right? Like, you don't have a DeWalt one thing, a Milwaukee another, a Ryobi one uh, a Black & Decker, you choose, because they got a match, right? Do you know why they got a match? The batteries. So, the batteries. So, uh, a long time ago, um, it was my turn, right? It was my turn to choose what type of tools I was going to use. And actually, I didn't choose. For Christmas one year, I needed a drill. I needed a drill. In fact, I needed this drill, this drill right here, and my in-laws bought me a drill and impact set. Look at that. It's beautiful. But, you know, can you hear the click? It's not, it's not really working. It's missing something, right? And, and if you go to use tools, even corded ones, you have to have something. Right? You gotta have something. Like my blower. Nothing's happening. Or, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. 
Nothing is happening. And even something as small as this. You can hear the click. Nothing's happening. I'm missing something. I don't even know if you know what this is. Anybody know what this is? She does. I I am of a certain age now where if I'm going to go camping, I have to have electricity. I used to go high adventure camping. I used to go backpacking, and I loved it. This don't hike. No, no. I did two weeks in New Mexico once. I've done two separate weeks in Minnesota where you canoe, you get to the end of the lake, you get out, you carry everything across land, get to another lake, canoe. I have to work out to do that again. But like, this right here, this right here will supply power. If I'm connected to a power source. In fact, if I can turn it on right, in fact, it even has this flashlight. I got the power. I can turn, I can turn on. It's not as exciting as a gas powered one. I know. I'm aware, but it works. Or even, yeah, yeah, because I'm that guy. My driveway's got to be clean after I cut grass. Yeah. All these things, and I'm going to put this back on before I cut myself. All these things have to be connected to a power source, right, for them to work. This sermon series, we're going to be talking about being connected Not only to our power source, but to each other. Not only for ourselves, but for the people around us. Let me move all this so I don't fall. You guys would laugh really hard if I fell. You would have to. It's just a rule. The really cool thing is the power source is readily available to all of us. It's not some battery I gotta keep charged. It's not some outlet I gotta find. It's right there with us. One of the things I love about Christianity, and I've said it before, I'm gonna say it again. One of the things I love about Christianity is we didn't have to climb the mountain. And what I mean by that is in other religions, the major religions of the world, you have to go to God. You have to climb Mount Olympus to find the gods. In Middle Eastern cultures, they built ziggurats, which are man-made mountains. You can think of uh, pyramids with the top lopped off. Those were ziggurats. And they said their gods lived on the ziggurats. And you had to go to your god. In Christianity, God got off his throne and came to us in the form of Jesus. And today, God wants you to know he is looking for you. He is searching for you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be your God. He wants to be your father. And he is available for you. As we get started, let's look at a couple of passages. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, it says this. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, 
the man and his wife, that's Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? You see, Adam and Eve had just committed the first sin. They just separated themselves from God. And God was already looking for them. He was already looking for them. He wanted that connection with them. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. So we saw very beginning of the Old Testament, God's already looking for us. And here in the New Testament, Jesus says, I came here to find those who were lost. That is my purpose in coming. I'm seeking and I want to save everybody who is lost. Just like in Connect Four, somebody has to move first. And everybody wants to make that first move, right? In Connect Four, you want to, I don't know, is anybody here like a bottom corner person in Connect Four? Do you have a specific move you want to make? I was always kind of in the middle. But everybody wants to make that first move. Can I tell you, God has already made the first move. God has already moved to be close to us. And really quickly, they're not in your notes, but there are four places in Scripture that God has already moved to be close to us. The first one's the Garden of Eden. God created the Garden of Eden so heaven and earth could overlap. Again, in Genesis 3.8, it said, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. God is there with Adam and Eve. And he's looking for them. In scripture, it talks about the presence of God as his Shekinah glory. That's a big word, I know. But just, I'm going to say Shekinah a few times here. God's Shekinah glory dwelt in the garden. It was a connection point. It was a place where heaven and earth overlapped. The second place in scripture we see where heaven and earth overlap is the tabernacle. So God gives Moses the blueprints to build this tent. And in Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 35, it says this. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled over it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The Shekinah glory of God filled the tabernacle. It was a place where heaven and earth overlapped and we could have connection with God. God wanted to be close to his people, so he gave Moses the blueprints for the tabernacle so that God could always be with his people. The third point in scripture we see where God has heaven and earth overlap is the temple. It's the temple. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 through 2, it's right after the temple's been finished and they're dedicating it. And it says this, When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burnt up the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. God's Shekinah glory comes down and fills the temple. God is there with his people. He had David came up with the idea of the temple. Solomon built it, made it beautiful. And God dwelt there with his people. It was a place where heaven and earth overlapped. And God could be with his people and we could have connection with him. I don't know if you're seeing a pattern here throughout scripture. But God wants to be with his people. The fourth place we see in scripture where heaven and earth overlap and God has a connection point 
are the new temples. The new temples. These aren't a building. It's not this dome. It's not the church down the street or the church down the street. It's not a building in Jerusalem. It's the new temples. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, it says this. And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. I don't know if you've caught on, but throughout all of history, God is searching for his people, and he wants to be with them. He wants to be close to them. And he has come to us. He has made himself available to us. He has made the first move. He's made the first move to be close to you. In Acts chapter 17, it says this. From one man, he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he's not far from any one of us. God is not far from any one of us. I tell this to the teens. I work with those of you who don't know. I work with the teens here. I tell them that God is the absolute worst at hide and go seek. I make the joke when I was little, I would play hide and go seek with my mom. And she's like, okay, I'm going to count to 10. And she'd start counting to 10. And when she'd look up from counting to 10, I was still standing there doing this. (laughs) And I just fogged my glasses. I didn't have glasses then. I was just standing there covering my eyes because if I couldn't see her, she couldn't see me, right? Because that's how little brains work. That's what God's doing. He's, he might even be giggling. Just That's how my mind works. God's like, I'm right there. All you got to do is open your eyes. I'm right there. I'm, look at me. Woo! And he's dancing. He's just trying to get our attention. God's not far from any one of us. He wants to connect with you. He wants to connect with each and every one of us. How do I know that God is looking for me? Well, this morning, I want to talk about four things I personally see that tell me God is looking for me. And then we're going to go on to this glorious day. Uh, I, I hope you have some big plans for this really nice day. I love slightly overcast summer afternoons where it's not so hot, especially when I'm going to the Cardinals game. I went. To, side note, I went to the Cardinals game a couple weeks ago when they played the Yankees. And when I stood up out of my seat, it looked like I had been swimming. It was gross. But four points that I know God is looking for me. And I don't have any really fancy phrases for you. I don't have any big words for you. I just got to talk to you the way God talks to me. The first way I know God is looking for me are major life events. Now, when I say major life events, I don't know about you, but my head always goes negative. Like somebody's dead. I'm bankrupt. I'm sick. And those things are valid. But they're also things like, I got married. I had a baby. I got financially blessed. It's the opposite too. Any major life event in my life, I know God was looking for me in it. 
ancient Israel throughout Scripture seems like they were constantly in major life events. Now, I get that as we read Scripture, it's condensed, and there was hundreds if not thousands of years in between these giant events sometimes. Sometimes there's only like a decade. But they were constantly, seems like, at war with somebody. They were constantly wandering in the desert or being sent into slavery or something going on like that, right? And every time, every time a major event in Israel happens, God's saying something to the point of, all you have to do is turn to me and I will be your God and you will be my people. And the whole world will know. That's all you have to do. And yet they're stubborn. Right now, um, during my daily walk, I'm in the book of Jeremiah. And I talked to my small group Friday night. I don't like Jeremiah. It's so depressing. Because the whole thing is Jeremiah is telling them, hey, bad things are coming. Bad things are coming. The whole book, bad things are coming. And finally this morning, I got to chapter 29. Where finally, they're starting to talk about, hey, bad things are coming, but guess what? Something good's coming after it. Something good's going to come after it. Finally, I got to good news. But the whole book of Jeremiah is the prophet telling the people, hey, you're doing bad stuff. You're following the wrong prophets. You're listening to the wrong people. All you got to do is listen to God and follow God. And he's going to take care of you. He's going to make all the bad stuff go away. In all of these major events, God's looking for his people. And in the good stuff too, like we read with Solomon dedicating the temple. Solomon was dedicating the temple and God showed up. Or Moses, he was making the tabernacle, and God showed up. Think of all the times God just shows up. Jacob, he's walking back home, and he's, there's a stranger, and he decides to wrestle him. I don't know if you've ever just walked up to a stranger and wanted to wrestle. That's weird. But God showed up. God was there. All of the times that God just shows up in Scripture because he wants to be close to his people. I think in my own life... Uh, uh, I guess it's been 12 years. Um, it, there was there was a season in my life that was really hard. Uh, it was right around Christmas time. My grandma had been sick, and she passed away. And it was hard. But you know what made it harder is right before that, my older cousin had just passed away. And he was like my brother growing up. So within the span of two weeks, I had two people that I was really close to pass away. And I didn't understand what depression was. I had people around me that do. Why, my wife, Gary, other people you've heard talk about being depressed. I didn't know what it was. I just thought I was in a funk. And it was a, it was a hard time in my life. I lost these two people that were really close to me. This major life event happened. And God was looking for me. And you know how I know God was looking for me? Out of the blue, an older brother and sister come up to me and said, Hey, can we get together and talk about life and death in scripture and bob and Faye, i don't know if you remember that but i really still really appreciate that because that just opened my eyes that god's like hey you don't have to do this on your own you don't have to walk through this by yourself there are people here who are going to put their arms around you and can i tell you at the at that funeral where we buried my grandma i felt god's arms around me you might be like, Mike, that sounds really weird. I know. I know it sounds really weird. 
And I'm sitting there and I'm holding my one-year-old daughter and she's like, daddy, dear. And it was frigid that morning. I'm like negative four. And I have her, I had my, I had a, I have a black trench coat and it covers your legs. So it's nice and warm when it's really cold out. And I had her all bundled up inside of my coat with me. And she, we're just looking at this deer while the, the pastor is doing the graveside service. I don't know what he said. I'm looking at these deer and I just felt that God was there with me. Have you ever had those moments where you just know God's looking for me? God is looking for me. Over the past few weeks, Gary spent some time talking about the Apostle Paul. We just finished a sermon series called The Twelve, uh, where we talked about the disciples. We looked at individual disciples. We didn't even cover them all. We did like 14 lessons. It was deceptive, I know. Uh, I love it. If you want to go back and listen to it, again, greateraltonchurch.org. But Gary's been talking about Paul, and originally I wanted to talk about Samuel today, the prophet Samuel, because God was looking for Samuel. But every time I started writing down stuff, it was all about Paul. So today we're going to be talking about Paul a little bit more. In Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 6, it says this, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. For those of you who are confused, I'm talking about a guy named Paul and I'm talking about a guy named Saul here. They're the same person. At one point, Paul changes his name from Saul. This is where the apostle Paul meets Jesus. Jesus has already ascended to heaven. He's already in heaven. And Saul is persecuting the church. He's killing Christians. And Jesus shows up and knocks him off his donkey. Onto his donkey. That's a joke. Just putting that out there. To get his attention. Because Jesus is looking for him. At one point he says he's my chosen. Jesus says Paul is his chosen instrument to reach the Gentiles. That would be us putting that out there jesus was looking for him a few weeks ago we were talking about the apostles i was up here and i brought up a passage in ezekiel saying i was looking for a man to stand in the gap and i found no one throughout scripture god is looking for his people and i hope i'm making this point abundantly clear through major life happenings another another place that I see God looking for me is in Scripture. In Scripture. Have you ever been reading the Bible and like the passage you're reading is like coming off the page and it's highlighted and it's gilded and it's glowing and it's really not all those things, but it is? Does does that make sense? Do you guys, like it... I say sometimes God yells at me and it's louder than an audible shout. Sometimes I read something and it's louder than if it was spoken to me. And that happens a lot. Nearly daily, I'm reading something in Scripture. I'm like, oh, I see God. Okay. I know God is looking for me through Scripture. And I see this in Scripture itself. Like in Acts chapter 8, verses 35. It says, so beginning with the same Scripture... Philip told him the good news about Jesus. This is 
this is a, a passage out of a larger story where there's the treasure of Ethiopia driving a chariot and this crazy dude is just running alongside the chariot. And the guy in the chariot is reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And the crazy dude running alongside says, hey, do you know what you're reading? And instead of ignoring him, like I usually do with people standing on the side of the road, he goes, no, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? And he jumps up in the chariot. And beginning with this same scripture, Philip tells him the good news about Jesus. Jesus is looking, God is looking for us in scripture. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Scripture is so powerful. Scripture's a surgeon's scalpel in my life. And it only works if I'm in Scripture, if I'm reading the Word, if I'm hearing the Word, if I'm around people who are speaking the Word. 2 Timothy 3, 5-17 says, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have, been, they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work God is looking for me in scripture but if I'm not in scripture I'm not going to see God and I want to challenge you guys are you reading God's word on a consistent basis I have to not because it's my job but because it's my desire I have to read scripture every day if I don't, there is something wrong with the day. I have to be close to God early in the morning. Now, that's not necessarily exactly when I wake up. Today it was because some stupid app kept sending me notifications and my phone just kept buzzing at 5.45 this morning. I'm like, why are you going off again? And then I just laid in bed and I read Jeremiah. And it was encouraging. Maybe during the week, it's when I finally get to start drinking my coffee in the morning at work and I get to read. Sometimes God's awesome and he pays me to read scripture. It's beautiful. Um, but God is looking for me in scripture and I won't know that unless I'm in his word. So I want to challenge you. Uh, I used to do this with the high schoolers and it's so much easier today than it was then. We called it the 60 second challenge. The 60 second challenge is you can never be more than 60 seconds away from your Bible. What? What does that mean? That means you're always fully equipped. You always have God's word by you. And you know why it's so much easier today than it was when I started doing that? It's because our Bible's on our phone. And have you ever been more than 60 seconds away from your phone in the last two weeks? And if you need help finding a Bible app, there are people here who can help you find a Bible app. There's a few of them, and I have a lot of them on my phone. I'm never more than 60 seconds away from my Bible, which means I'm never more than 60 seconds away from God finding me. Right where I'm at. I want to challenge you guys. Be in God's word. Because God is looking for us through scripture. Another place God's looking for us is through people. Through a person. I told you the story of Bob and Faye talking to me and Cassie about how, about life and death and what it means in scripture. 
The Apostle Paul had somebody like that too. In Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 16, it says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. All of that was very specific. Nobody's getting lost. I have He is praying to me right now. And I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Not only is God looking for Paul, he is sending people to point him to God. God is looking for you and he's sending people to you to help you find him. Maybe it's somebody who invited you to church. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's some random stranger on the street. God is sending people to find you, to push you towards him. And sometimes it's not all fun. I will show him how much you must suffer for my name's sake. I'm not telling you today that God's going to be like, hey, you're going to suffer. I am telling you today that God is looking for his children. And he has a purpose for each and one of his children, just like these tools that I have up here on stage that need to be connected to the power. It's the same power source that powered all those tools, but each tool has a different purpose. And God needs those people in his family. God is sending people out. You might be one of the people God is sending out to reach somebody. Are you going to let God use you? Because he's not just looking for the lost. He's looking for his family too. Are you going to let God use you? Are you going to use the power God's given us? And I got the power! And be his instrument like God wants Paul to be. The fourth thing that I see in Scripture that proves to me that God is looking for me, and it's probably the most important, and I'm, I'm not going to say probably, it's the most important, the most obvious thing in Scripture that proves to me that God's looking for me, is the cross. It's the cross. Jesus is God. And He lived with God in heaven. And then he left heaven and came down to us so that we could have relationship with God. Jesus lived a perfect life, a life we could not live. And then died a death he did not deserve. He died a death we deserved. And he didn't stay dead. He conquered it through the empty tomb. He came back to life and conquered death. At Greater Alton, we have this tagline that we're a bridge to a better life. And it's true. I believe this church is a bridge to a better life. The ultimate bridge is the cross. It spans that gap that we can't. The gap that sin separated us from God. 
At the very beginning in Genesis, when we read that passage, God was looking for Adam and Eve. They had already sinned and there was already a separation. That's why God had to look for them. And then you fast forward to the New Testament and Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. In John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40, it says this, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of those He has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. In 1 Timothy 2, 5-6, through it says this, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave up His life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus came down the mountain. He came out of heaven to live with us. To bridge the gap that we can't bridge. And the cross is the ultimate point of God looking for us. God wants that connection with us. Otherwise, He would not have sent Jesus. Otherwise, He would not have spent all of Scripture looking. He wants connection with His children. And He wants everybody to be His children. There's a chapter in Luke that is all about God searching for His children. All about it. The whole chapter. It's Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at a really well-known story out of Luke 15, but the whole chapter, I suggest go reading the whole thing. It's all about God looking for His children. In Luke chapter 15, there's a story of the prodigal son. It says this, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Side note, Jesus is speaking to Jewish people. That's one of the lowest of the lows you can be as a Jewish person. Feeding the pigs and wanting to eat their food. When he finally came to a census, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with compassion and love, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned both against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, 
Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told. And your father's killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never even gave me one goat for my fe- for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours comes back, and after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. This is an amazing story. It's a parable told by Jesus. And Jesus is making a point that God is looking for His sons. Did you catch that? Yeah, there's the one that went away. And His dad ran to Him when He came back. But then there's the stubborn one who stayed home and wouldn't go inside. And His dad went to Him to talk to Him. There's two groups of people in this story. There's the group of people who have left that relationship, don't have that relationship with God. And there's the group of people who do have that relationship. might be a little bitter. But God's looking for both. If you're somebody here, you don't have a relationship with God. And you're like, all these things you're telling me about how God is looking for me, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I see that. I don't know if I see that. But God is looking for you. And He's made that first move. He's made the first move towards you. All you have to do is make the next move. There are people here who would love to open up Scripture with you. To sit down and show you, hey, this is what God says. This is how you can have a relationship with Him. Because He is looking for you. And He wants to have that relationship with you. Jesus came down from heaven and lived that life and died on that cross so that all of us can have a relationship with the Father. And then there's that group of us. Maybe we've stopped looking for Jesus. Maybe we've gotten comfortable. Yeah, we go to church. Yeah, we're Christians. In word. We, we call ourselves Christians, but is our heart in it? God's looking for us too. God never stops looking for His children. Never will give up on His kids. His kids may leave, but God will never stop looking for them. And something that I learned a long time ago is when it says the father ran to his son, the father doesn't care how he looks when he gets his kid back. You ever seen a man run in a robe? He's not embarrassed that his children are coming home. He's not worried about what it's going to look like. He's excited and he wants to celebrate. This morning, you can have that celebration. 
This morning, you can be a part of the family. When Philip was talking to the Ethiopian treasurer, and he taught him all about Jesus, at one point, the Ethiopian eunuch says, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I get baptized? Because Philip told him what Jesus has taught us. And if you're interested in having that relationship with God, talk to somebody who invited you. Talk to the person sitting next to you. They might be just as scared about it as you are to talk to you about Jesus. But you know what? It's going to be cool. Because once, I don't know about you guys, but once I start talking about Jesus, it's hard to shut up and it's hard to slow down. I don't know if you've noticed that. I get louder, I get faster, I get sweatier, I get more excited. Because I just love reading scripture with people. God wants a relationship with you. And you can have that this morning. You don't have to be perfect to come to the Father. The Father is perfect enough for us. This morning in your bulletins, there's a communication card. And it's a way for you to communicate, hey, I would like a Bible study. Hey, I want to know how to be baptized. I hey, I'm looking for a small group. Uh, I have this prayer request. There's stuff you can fill out. There's boxes you can check. There's a place for prayer. Um, the prayer requests go to our prayer ministry. It's, we don't go around talking like, hey, so-and-so needs help in this department. And uh, I don't know. No. It's a communication between you and God, and you involve other people in the prayer. That's what our prayer team does. We pray for you. We don't go around talking about what you need. There's no gossip involved. There's baskets in the back after the sermon, after the songs. You can put that communication card in the basket. You're going to see our members putting offering in the basket. If you're a guest here, we did not ask you to come here for you to give us money. That is not why we want you here. I'm not going to tell you no, but... Don't give. Don't. I, we, we want you to experience something. We want you to hear from God this morning. And I hope you have. I hope that this week, you're never more than 60 seconds away from your word. I hope this week, you see God searching for you. And I hope this week, you can take that next step and move closer to God because He's never far from any of us. I'm really excited for the next three lessons of the sermon series to talk about these connections that God has given us, that God has made the opportunity for us, and to use those connections to go out into the world to spread the light of His kingdom. I hope God blesses you this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are amazing. You are so good to us. I, I'm so grateful that You've taken care of us, You've protected us. You've supplied us. You've given us everything we need. You are amazing, Father. Help us. Help us to be Your instruments to the world. Help us to shine Your light. Help us to look for You, Father, because You're not far from us. You are right there. You've created time and time and time and place and place and place for us to meet You and meet the people that will speak into our lives. I pray that our eyes are open this week to see you looking for us. And I pray for the courage for people to take that next step. That they can seek you and they can find you. And that you will bless them and their lives and their families and you will create a legacy in them that will outlive them, Father. Help us, Father, as we search for you. I love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.